What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. I want to have you jot down a few things, okay? His divine nature, that's the Holy Spirit, if you want to write that down, has granted to us, that's Romans 5.5, 5, if you're born again, you have the agape of God in you. He's granted to us all things, that's Ephesians 1 thing, 1, 3, we have, we have been given in Christ, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have all you need in Christ. So he's given us all things that pertain to life, that's John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and also John eleven twenty five, which says I'm the resurrection and the life. You have the life of God within you. Through the knowledge of him, that's John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 17, 3 is the only place in the Bible where eternal life is described, and that is intimacy with Jesus. That is your relationship with God. Scripture's important. What we have been given by the blood of Jesus is important. This salvation is great. It's so great that none of us can comprehend it and none of us understand it, myself included. It's glorious. And so let's go to Mark 12, please. Through his precious and great promises, we can become partakers of his divine nature. When Christians don't put the word of God above their thoughts, above their feelings, above their emotions, above their circumstances, above what they're going through, they will never become a partaker of God's divine nature. It is through believing in the promises of God that you walk like a heavenly man or heavenly woman. When I get stuck, and by the way, I was stuck this week. It was because I forgot about the precious promises of God. You know what I was doing? I got attacked this week, and I started whining like a little baby. And my wife speaking over me, hey, 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 James 1, consider it joy. My brothers, when you go through trials, because... Your dad loves you and he's testing and strengthening your faith. He's purifying your little heart so that it's pure and blameless. And so quit whining, Chris. That lady used to call me Chrissy when I was little. I just couldn't stand that. My friend Brian's grandma, Chrissy. I'm like, hey, lady, I know I'm seven years old. Don't call me Chrissy. But my wife's like, Chrissy, (laughs) joy, 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 joy. Oh, I used to man. Anyway, Mark 12. Mark 12, Mark 12. And he began to speak to them in parables. This is Jesus talking. He's talking to the religious leaders of the day that were the watchmen, the watchmen. And by the way, next week, jot this down, please. I want you to be prepared for next week. We are coming into a thing called church hurt next week. 
So here's the deal. Here's one thing we all have in common. It's church hurt. You bring your list, I'll bring mine. And let's compare. I want you to spend time before the Lord, Holy Spirit of God. You are the spirit of truth. Jesus said you would lead me and guide me into all truth. How has the church of Jesus Christ hurt me? And begin to write down what they did. And then begin to write down what they didn't do. It could be this church. It could be your last church. It could be the future church you go to because you don't like this church. (laughs) 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 And your list is going to get longer every church you go because guess what? Every church deals with a church. So that's next week. And we're going to walk through a place of forgiveness and repentance and reconciliation. We're going to do business with God because some of you are going to be told to go back to your old church. And just say, hey, anyway, nobody's going to come next week. Um, I'm just kidding. I make jokes sometimes and people are like, anyway, all right, Mark 12. He began to speak to them of parables. A man planted a vineyard. Highlight that, please. A man planted a vineyard. And he put a fence around it. Highlight that, please. And he dug a pit. Highlight that, please. For the wine press. Highlight that, please. He built a tower. Highlight that, please. And then he leased it to tenants, and he went into another country. When the season came, he sent servants to the tenants to get from them some. And I want you to highlight some, because some doesn't mean all. He just wanted some. That seems fair. Since he planted the vineyard, put the fence around it, dug a pit, did the wine press, and built the tower, there should be a little bit of return for all the work, yay? But how did they react and respond? And a better question is, how do we react and respond? Here's how we act and respond. They took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. No, this is mine. This is mine. And again, he sent another servant. This is the grace of God continuing to send. And then they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. Then he sent another and they killed him. And so with many others, some they beat, some they killed. Oh, boy. Remember what Jesus said. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Those who kill the prophets that are sent to you. How I've longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not come. When you see a prophet that's sent, understand that that prophet embodies the love of God. Prophets are sent because God is love. Verse 6, this is heartbreaking. He had still another one, a beloved son. That's Jesus, the only begotten son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those senate said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him, and they killed him, and they threw him out of the vineyard. Jesus was crucified out of Jerusalem, outside of the walls of Jerusalem. That's where he died. Verse 9, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Highlight that word give, because that is the grace of God. 
God wants to do something. Those who were given the rights and responsibilities, they did not do it. He's giving it now to others because God's heart is to give. He's a giver. Have you not read in Scripture, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and this was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Everything was given, everything was given, everything was given here. And he just wanted some fruit. When you look at Genesis 1, verse 29, don't, don't go there, just listen. Behold, God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth. I've given you every tree with seed and its fruit, and you shall have them for food, and every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God said everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God is a giver, and what happened? A vineyard was planted in Eden. A garden was planted in Eden, God just said, not this one tree. And what did they do? They disobeyed God. Everything was given. It was perfect. It was perfect. So we see that in creation. We see that with Mark chapter 12, where, where, where Jesus is talking about the nation of Israel. I've given you everything. I brought you out of slavery. I, I've given you this land flowing with milk and honey. This is the promised land. I've given you everything. And I've even given you my own son, and you killed him. Guys, this is a story of mankind that goes back to Adam. So forget about the ethnicity of Israel right now. This is our story. This is our family history. And Jesus comes in Luke chapter 12, 32. He says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's heart is to give. He is good. James 1, every good gift comes from above. From our Father of lights, of who there is no shadow or variation or turning. He is good. He is good. He is good. He gives good things to his kids because it's who he is. And he's declared over our life that we are his garden. We are his vineyard. We are his. He has done it. He has done it. And, and sometimes he comes and he just wants some fruit. Does he not have that right, the one who gave us all? And this is a question we got to carry through this message today. Let's go to Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 10. How beautiful. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor Chris is so beautiful. And you guys, you guys just rebelled against authority. Elders, we've got to put that on the elders' agenda. We got rebellion in the house. <laughs> Actually, hey, I don't like when people tell me what to do in church, okay? If you feel led, tell your neighbor, Pastor Chris is beautiful. Now, church, I've told you to count every time he says you're beautiful. What are we up to now? Close. Nine. Nine, nine, nine. Now, I could be off. It could be ten. So, anyway. What's the point? 
That's a lot. And the husband that says, oh, baby, I told you at our wedding day that I loved you. I don't need to say that anymore. I don't know what that, that accent was. You're beautiful, 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 you're beautiful. And we don't receive that. We don't believe that because his words are not very precious and great to us. It's the words of the world, the words of the church, the words of the apostle or the prophet or whatever, the words of your mother and father. No, listen, I almost fell. Listen. These are the words of God. Why are you yelling, Chris? Because you don't believe it. Because you don't believe it. And the simplicity of the gospel of God's grace is, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Because if I don't walk like I'm beautiful every day, hey, hey, take a picture. Then I don't believe it. If you're walking with a constant nag of what's wrong with you, when are you ever going to get it? You're not, you're, this negative condemnation that, that really defines your life that you hear more and more and more, you haven't received that the cross says you're beautiful. And we're pulling you out of that. The Holy Spirit's pulling you out of that this morning. And you've got to renounce that. Yes, God, help me to believe. How beautiful, verse 10, is your love. My sister, my bride. We'll get into my sister later. Don't let that freak you out. <laughs> Jesus was the firstborn of many what? Brethren. So we're his brothers. We're his, okay? Highlight my. Why? Because you've been purchased by his blood. You're his. You're his. Your life is not your own. And again, do we live like that? If you, if you don't live like that, you don't believe that. And again, no condemnation. Lord, help me to receive your very great and very precious promises so that I can begin to walk a divine life. Verse 10b, how much better is your love than wine? I want you to flip over to verse to chapter one. He is saying the same thing that she said to him. In chapter one, verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. He's saying that same thing back. And see, this is the giving and receiving that happens with an intimate relationship with Jesus. Giving and receiving, giving and receiving. And see, you're going to begin to speak the things that he's put in you. It's gonna, and he says to you with others that you walk up to somebody, man, you are just so beautiful. Now, dudes, don't do that to chicks in this church, okay? But there's an aspect of encouragement and affirmation where you just speak life over someone. I am horrible at golf. And there are some people that can testify in this room. <laughs> uh, Bill, it's your fault. You should have been... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Uh, I need you, Bill. <laughs> but as I was hitting the ball a couple times, the affirmation from people around me the other day, what a great shot. What a great shot. What a great shot. Yeah, I am Tiger Woods. You know, the, the, the confidence just starts building, right? And it, and it helped me. Wow, yeah, right? Now, if I'm with a bunch of heathen pagan people, right? Oh, you're horrible. You're this. You're no good. You might as well quit. You might as well. Now, listen, guys, the affirmation is needed, right? It's needed. And this is what our king is speaking over the life of his bride, I want you to just jot down Hosea 6, verse 6. Context. Hosea was told by God to marry a prostitute to speak to the nation. Now, I have had some people tell me God's calling me to do the book of Hosea with this girl. Yeah, no, no, no. God's not trying to get a message out to the whole nation of the United States about his grace. That was a one-time thing. Don't be unequally yoked in Corinthians 6.14 anyway. Help me, God. It's not what this sermon's about. <laughs> There's just so much foolishness sometimes because people don't know how to test the spirit with the word. And there's not counsel in the body of Christ. Hosea 6.6 6 says this, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. Some of you have been serving way too much. Stop it. Except in children's church. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God, the intimacy of God. Adam knew Eve and there was a baby. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So it's not what we do. It is our love relationship with him. He desires us to have a steadfast love as he is our all. I want you to understand wine speaks of the greatest thing this world has to offer. Wine is a very positive thing in this passage. Your love is better than wine. He, he looks at the splendor and the glory of God in all of creation. He says, your love is more beautiful than me than anything that my hands have created. Why? Because our love is an offering to God. It's a beautiful fragrance. I would rather have your heart moving towards me than all the worlds put under my authority. Your love to me is better than everything that I have created. It's better than everything that could be celebrated. I love you, I love you, and I desire your steadfast love, not sacrifice and not burnt offerings. He didn't save you so you could be a worker bee. You're a human being, not a human doing. He wants you for you, and he wants your heart to be undivided. Verse 10c, the fragrance of your oils than any spice. God is saying, there is a fragrance coming off of your life, and I just love it. I love it. I love it. Verse 11, your, your lips, Song of Songs 4, verse 11, your lips they drip nectar. Nectar is like sugar. It's a natural sugar. It's sweet. Your lips are sweet. My bride, ownership, my honey and milk are under your tongue. Whew. 
What does milk do? It strengthens us and it nourishes us. And honey, honey, that is sweet to the taste, but honey also requires much time and hard work from the bees. So this is not just a light, simple thing. This is deep things that he's saying. In Exodus 3.8, it says, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up into the land that is good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and what? Honey. Honey, honey. He's saying, you are my inheritance. You are my promised land. You are, because you're in Christ now. What's going to come out of you is beautiful. I want to give you, I do want you to see this real quick. Go to, go to, go to Proverbs 5. Three. Isaiah 7, 14 and 15 says this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, and he shall eat curds, which is yogurt and milk, if you will. He will eat curds of milk and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose good. So even Christ himself out of his mouth is flowing milk and honey. And because we are in Christ, out of our mouth is going to flow milk and honey. Here is the danger, especially you young men. Proverbs 5.3, for the lips of a forbidden woman, she drips honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. Notice there's no milk. It's just like a honey bun with no nutritional value. Honey buns are good, but it'll cause you get a honey bun. And let me tell you, I can testify of that honey bun. It's milk and honey, milk and honey, milk and honey, honey. If it's not milk, it's not truly nourishing. And how many of us, men and women, because ladies... You know you got with some dudes that spit game. And it was just an empty, empty, empty thing because there was no milk. You, were, you walked away not nourished. You walked away taken. Somebody came to take, not to give. A real man of God gives. A real man of God nourishes. A real man of God says, it is not about me. This is about you. And before I even touch you, I'm going to put a ring on your finger. All right, verse 11. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Uh, 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 just listen, please. Lebanon was filled with the fragrant cedar trees. If you turn over to 515, it says, His legs, speaking of King Jesus, are alabaster columns set on bases of gold, and his appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedar. So he is saying over her, Hey, you are starting to become like me, and it is beautiful, it is glorious. Isaiah 35 2 says, The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. Lebanon is a glorious place. Jesus is speaking over her. You are like Lebanon. You're like Lebanon. Verse 12, a garden locked is my sister, my bride. Man, my sister, my bride, ownership, ownership, ownership. He has called her his garden. We are his vineyard. We are his vineyard. We are his garden. You are the garden of God. You are his private paradise. Do you know in, the, in the, the olden times, a king's garden was to provide a place of pleasure, 
solitude, and rest for the king. It was for the king alone. And a king's garden was usually a distance from his palace, and he would visit there from time to time for the purpose of enjoyment. Listen, Jesus wants to enjoy you, not just send you to work in his vineyard. The king's garden was not to grow crops or to raise livestock. The king's garden was costly, and it took much work to cultivate. Its fragrance made him very proud. His garden was something he showed to his friends with great joy and delight. He welcomes them in. Hey, look at my garden. Come and enjoy this with me. Understand what the locked garden means. What does the lock garden mean? A king would put up a fence around his garden to prevent strangers from coming in and stealing it. It would keep beasts out from polluting it. And this fence was usually in the form of a stone wall. And an enclosed garden was a private garden not open to the public. Christian, listen. You are the king's garden and you're not open to the public. What he's put in you is for him first and others get the fragrance. You might want to write that down. What he's put in you is for him first. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first. The second is not the first. It's like the first, but it's not the first. They get the fragrance. They don't get the substance. John 15, 1, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, the gardener. Do you know the care and intention that the gardener has over you, his secret, locked, and private garden? He prunes, he lifts, he says, you're mine. He pulls out weeds. The little foxes that are nipping, he gets rid of them. He keeps them out. He waters. I want you to understand what it says here in Isaiah 58, 11. Basically, to sum that up, if you care for the poor, there's, there's like 20 blessings in Isaiah 58, but here's one of them. The Lord will guide you continually if you care for the poor and satisfy your... your, your that, it doesn't say if you care for the poor. Context, 1 through 10, is basically caring for the poor. Verse 11, let me just read it, Isaiah 58. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. What if some of you with weak bones have forgotten about the poor? James 1.27, pure religion is widows and orphans. And you've disregarded God's command, and maybe that's why your bones aren't strong. Maybe. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. God is declaring that you are his watered garden, full of springs that do not fail. Verse 12, again, it says, A spring locked, a fountain sealed. Springs were very valuable. They were rare. They were locked and protected so they would not be polluted. In Numbers 19.15, it says, Every open vessel that has no cover fastened to it is unclean. And God declares over you that you are his sealed 
sealed fountain, a spring that is locked. He does not want the enemy coming in and polluting it. And he wants to keep you pure and blameless before him in love. Verse 13, your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates. And I want you to do this as we go over this. I want you to just count everything that's in there, okay? So pomegranates, that's number one. With all its choices, that word choice means precious things or excellent things. Beloved of God, what he's put in you is choice and it's precious. Precious things. Fruits, henna, henna. So fruits is a plural thing, so don't put two there. Put henna, all right? Henna. With nard, okay? That's number three. Nard again, so we won't put four. We'll put four by saffron. Calamus, five. Cinnamon, six. Listen, anybody did the cinnamon challenge? You, you put cinnamon and you try to swallow it, you can't do it. Here's the deal. Apart from God, we don't know how to use cinnamon. Back to the honey buns with cinnamon. Ooh, those are good. It's cinnamon that's used right. And God, the stuff that he's put in you, you'll never know how to use it if you don't allow him to blow upon you and bring out the fragrance. With all the trees of frankincense, seven, myrrh, eight, aloes, nine. With all the choice, that word choice is the word rosh in Hebrew. It means the finest, the head, the top, and the chief. You're his garden. And it's just not little or light things or secondhand things. No, this is the best of the best of the best. These spices, they're here, they are in you, and he's put them in you because you are his garden. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Put one by that. Joy, two. Peace, three. Patience, four. Kindness, five. Goodness, six. Faithfulness, seven. Gentleness, eight. Self-control, nine. I do not think it's a coincidence that there's nine things in the garden and there's nine things here listed as the fruits of the Spirit. Let me tell you something, New Testament church, you are the garden of God and the things that he's put in you. You want to walk in the spirit? Everybody talks about that. Listen, get away from tongues, get away from gifts. Walking in the spirit means that what the fragrance coming out of me, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience. It's these nine things that define my life. And that begins to blow. It blows, and people see, and they know, man, that guy is this, that guy is this, that guy is this, that girl is this. Oh, man, what a beautiful garden. That's the garden of God, and who put that there? Not you. He did that. Romans 5.5, 5, it says, when you've been born again, the agape of God comes in you. Without the Holy Spirit, agape means love. People without the Holy Spirit of God are incapable of agape because agape comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from you working. It doesn't come from you trying. It doesn't come from you being a good person. No one is good except for God. It is only when the Holy Spirit comes in and you become born again. Romans 5, 5. You have the Holy Spirit in you. The agape of God has been 
poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. And so when we're born again, this is what we carry. This is who we are. It continues on back to 15. A garden, a fountain, a well of living water flowing from streams. Oh man, I'm nine minutes over. No, I can't do that. That's disrespectful. I'm already 10 minutes disrespecting. Worship team, come on up. Kind of went off on the Africa thing. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Because I'm just a beautiful garden. And we're going to stay in the garden a little bit longer than I expected. I want you to spend time with this passage this week that you are the garden of God. And let me just tell you, I'm let you into my life here real quick. Myrrh is listed in there. Myrrh is the spice that is used when someone dies. And guess what my gardener this week has been doing to me? He's been dealing with that myrrh plant for me. There has been a crushing and a crushing and a crushing. That's why my wife was calling me a baby. But the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me, Chris, what would define your life for 25 years of ministry is that you just let everybody come in the garden Your garden has just been for everybody. It's just been for everybody. And you get offended when you lay down your life, when you sacrifice, and then people still hate you. People don't like you. Do you know why? Because your garden wasn't for me and me alone. You were giving them your garden. And what I'm doing, Chris, in your life is I'm returning you back to your first love because they'll never appreciate you. They'll never thank you. They'll never see. You, you were doing it for me, but also for them. That's in all of us, by the way. Look, I love Jesus with all of my heart there's still the flesh that wants the approval of man that wants to be liked and to expose that sometimes he allows the very ones whom you love and you think love you to crush you to draw up your motives and say oh wow 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 no God I'm your garden and my best is for you and my heart is for you it's not for them it's for you I rode up in here at 9 o'clock this morning worshiping and people are like you're late no I'm not late I'm giving my king my worship and you're just secondary no offense you're gonna see he says she, she says blow upon my garden 
The whole garden's for you. Blow upon ministry, ministry to others. It's not the garden, it's the fragrance. And many of us need to repent. I'm going to be repenting. And I have repented. He gets my best. And if he decides to blow upon my garden, you'll get some fragrance. And that fragrance will change your life. But he gets the best. Revelation, return to your first love. Do the things that you once did. It is all for you, Jesus. It is all for you. It is all for you. I love you. And if you ever use me for those outside of the garden, that is up to you to take the winds of heaven and to blow the fragrance around. But my heart is undivided to you and you alone. You are my first love. You are my only one. You are the one. You are the one. You are the one. You get it all. You get it all. No longer do I want to give you the leftovers because I'm too busy doing ministry. So I repent before my brothers and sisters. And I thank you for your, your forgiveness, God. And I pray you would bring them into that place. They understand they're your garden. And they would follow you because they love you. May all performance go. May all striving go. May we be so in love with you, Jesus, that when the winds blow, everyone will experience around us the fragrance of God. Be glorified, Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. We ask for the winds of heaven to blow. us to worship you now in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.